hope you're doing good. So uh, it is a beautiful morning. Let's go ahead and put our uh, mission statement up and say it together. We are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God. That is what our church is all about. So we are still a missional church. We are still a church that's living a passionate mission. And uh, so that has not changed. That's not ever, ever, ever going to change. I so appreciate Wendy kind of uh, sharing that word this morning about how, you know, the church is not to shrink back. And historically speaking, if you know much about church history, the church uh, has never shrunken back during bad times. In fact, for the church to shrink back during bad times is just bad churchmanship. It's just, that's just not being a good church to shrink back during bad times. And so uh, who was it that came along and helped along with the plague? The church. If you ever went to school and got an education, do you know who you can thank for that? The church. Because there was no formalized education. It was the church that came along and said, we need to educate people. Have you ever, uh, and have you ever had to go to the hospital? Have you ever gone to a doctor? You know who you can thank? Uh, the church, okay? And so the church has always risen up dur during hard times. And so I hope that that is uh, a real challenge to you today. I hope that if you have been in uh, maybe a mode during this season of self-preservation, right? Just, you just, you're tempted to kind of hide, to shrink back, to preserve, maybe to hoard, maybe to whatever, okay? Uh, just whatever it is that your impulse is to do during hard times, just do the opposite, and you got the church, right? It's the time to give, it's the time to share, it's the time to go out, to reach out, to bless others. That's what the church has always done, and that's what the true church always will do. So we will never be a wagon-circling church. If you're looking for a church to circle the wagons, I'm so sorry for you. Because you're going to find yourself in a church that you're unhappy with. And so you might feel a false sense of security, but you won't be the church. And so that's your extra free sermon of the day. Uh, but this morning what we're doing is we are walking through the book of 2 Corinthians, and so I'm so excited. We're just taking it chapter by chapter by chapter. Obviously, we're not doing the whole chapter each week. We're pulling a little nugget out of each chapter and going through 2 Corinthians. Now, remember, just as a reminder, I know Wendy kind of hit on this a little bit last week, but 2 Corinthians was written shortly after 1 Corinthians because there were some people who took issue to 1 Corinthians. Um, and, you know, it's, it's so funny because throughout the history of the church, speaking of the history of church, there have always been people in the church who sort of, like, knew better than the church leadership. It's so, like, we, you know, we, uh, we, we think that's a, like a modern phenomenon. It's not. As long as there has been church, there has always been people within the church that thought that they knew better than the church leadership. And so what happened was, is Paul writes this letter, and people took issue, as people do. I can only imagine, like, if Paul would have released this letter, the Twitter, you know, backlash he would have faced from the Corinthians if, he would have, if it was written today. And so uh, they didn't honor Paul's leadership. Um, and they're, you know, they were a lot like 
uh, the Pharisees, right, who seemed to live out their faith like it was a game of one-upsmanship. And so if you, if you know people where it's like, uh, you know, you get around, you talk about the word, or you t- yeah, and there's almost out of this one-upsmanship environment, go find another environment to be in, you know, because this is what was happening here, this, this sort of game of one-upsmanship. And so, um, you know, there, there's always football fans. I grew up an avid football not fan, and... Uh, it's, it's, listen, I don't have any problem with sports. I just find them really boring. And, uh, but I remember every time, if I wanted to take a good nap, all I have to do is turn on the game. I am out. I'm out. There's just something about, there's something about it that just puts me to sleep. But I'm wrong, okay. I have the right to be wrong. And, uh, but uh, you all know that there are things called, or people called armchair quarterbacks, right? And these are the people that sit back and they are sure that if they were coaching the team, they'd win the Super Bowl every year, right? And it's so funny that they're, you know, they're just people that yell and they yell at the quarterback and why don't you, you know, it's funny, most guys who yell at the quarterback probably couldn't run across their own yard, much less the 10 yard line, you know what I'm saying? So, and so the armchair quarterbacks, uh, but a lot of churches have, people, kind of, and we just call them prideful people. They're like armchair leaders. And uh, we're not going to talk too much about that today because I really want to get into forgiveness. But this is sort of a springboard as to what Paul was talking about. Sort of armchair leaders, right? If, if the worship team just played their favorite songs, right? If, or if the worship team did this, or we're more sensitive to the spirit there, or, or whatever, you know, you know, sort of armchair worship leaders. Uh, if the pastor just preached, you know, their scriptures, um, if, if they were, you know, if they were followed, we would see revival like never before, right? We would see total revival if people just did things the way they thought things should be. And um, that has just, that, that has been a part of, you know, that has, let's just say a problem in the church for as long as it's been the church. And um, the problem with that is that a person like that usually has the exact opposite effect. So rather than, uh, you know, that type of person going, hey, they're creating an environment for the Holy Spirit to move, a lot of times what that means is the Holy Spirit is usually kind of squelched in in that sort of attitude, that sort of environment. Um, You know, usually instead of seeing the church unite, which which unity commands a blessing, instead they see division. And division is very difficult, is a very bad problem for the church, um, you know. And and you know we've we've had uh, we've had issues before um, where there was a person in the church causing division, and uh, and we had to ask them to leave. We had to say, hey, you cause a lot of problems here, and we've been more than you know generous in terms of you know the scripture saying. You know, give them a warning, and then the next time you have to leave. We've given you a warning, and then warning, and then warning, and then say, oh, "Look, you just gotta go. All right, you just gotta go." Um, and so that's tough. That's sort of, sort of the reality of just being a church. Just it's the reality. Different people come. Churches are like junk drawers, and you know, right? They just attract myriads of different things, and some people are old batteries, and uh, some people are dirty band aid. How'd that get in there? And so. Uh, you know, 
And so what happens is they bring tension, they bring division, they ultimately kind of squelch whatever God is trying to do because God resists the proud, right? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so that's so important to understand. But Paul, what he's doing here is he's trying to address kind of armchair leaders and uh, in, the, in this book, and he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he, he's saying, look, I know that there's some people that you've had to discipline. There's some people that you had to kind of ask to leave the church. But you know what? There comes a time when you just got to forgive them. Even if they're still gone, you, you got to forgive them, right? And so um, forgiveness is one of those things that, you know, we all want to receive, but we seldom want to give, right? We all want to be forgiven. In fact, sometimes if somebody, I've, I've heard of like, uh, you know, people getting angry because they weren't forgiven by their spouse whom they wronged, you know. I don't know why she won't just forgive me. Well, maybe because you are a jerk and you were unfaithful. Maybe she's got some hurt feelings. Um, but people, they all want to receive, but seldom want to give. And we die without forgiveness, but we'd rather die than give it sometimes. You know, that, that forgiveness is one of those tough, 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 tough things. And, you know, God addresses that several times. Jesus tells a wonderful story about a man who was forgiven his debt, but then didn't forgive his debtors. And, and kind of shows his posture on forgiveness. And so... Um, uh, Tolstoy once said, let us forgive each other, only then will we live in peace. Let us forgive each other, only then will we live in peace. You know, we live in a culture right now where there's very little peace. There's very little peace. There's this tension between this side and that side, and political divides, and divides on how to how to respond to the pandemic and divides on, on uh, you know, riots and, and all those things. It just divides on everything, right? And part of that is that we have a media that thrives on division because when people are divided, they're more emotional and they gobble up the headlines. And so part of that is just, it's just social manipulation by a, just a evil media. I'll just go outside. I, I, that might make me sound like some sort of conspiracy theorist, but you know, you don't have to have an ounce of discernment to see what's going on there. But, uh, and so we have this, these divisions and it's like, uh, rather than people going, you know what? I forgive. I want to, I, we need to forgive. We need, you know, we need to forgive that person, forgive that party, forgive that politician, forgive that Whatever it is, you know, we need to forgive. We tend to love to withhold forgiveness from those we don't know, you know, rather than uh, our politicians or celebrities or whatever, rather than actually being real people who need forgiveness just like you do, we tend to see them almost as objects for our anger, objects for our we don't forgive. And, and we do that on social media as well. We see other social media accounts of the people. And man, I tell you, it just, just destroys our peace. But without forgiveness, without the ability to forgive, we're not going to have peace. And so uh, if you are lacking peace in your life, then there may be a very good chance that there's someone that you need to forgive. There may be a very good chance that there's someone that you might need to forgive. I remember going through a season in my life where I really needed to forgive somebody. But you know what? That revelation hadn't hit me, right? Because, you know... All good Christians forgive. 
And because I said I forgave that person, it means I forgave that person, right? And so uh, I seized my life. And you know what has happened? I was grumpy. I was agitated. It was like I was hangry all the time, right? Uh, But I never associated that agitation with the need to forgive somebody. Instead, what I would do is I would blame whatever circumstance I was in, right? Uh, It's not that I need to forgive that person. It's just that this particular circumstance is really irritating me. You know, sometimes when we need to forgive, little things that are normally nothing that we just brush off make us angry, you know? Sometimes that's just the thing. If you think, think back in the last few days, where did little things make you angry? Where did the little things, if you were really honest with yourself, you could have just moved on, but you didn't. You were angry. If you were really honest with yourself, it, you, you overreacted, you might need to forgive somebody. Okay, you might, you might have some unforgiveness. Christians are, are horrible, you know, deniers with unforgiveness because we know how egregious it is to God when we hold unforgiveness. And so rather than truly forgiving, we just give it lip service and we just tell other people, I've forgiven them, I've forgiven them. It's just that. Those three words are so revealing, aren't they? It's just that. Or, yeah, but... But uh, those three words, it's just that. <laughs> How often do you catch yourself saying, it's just that? Right? It's just that. And so that's usually another indication that you need to forgive. And, and so, uh, you know, you've probably gone through similar situation. I was, I was facing something. I blamed whatever circumstance I was first currently facing instead. And so hiding, holding back forgiveness, it has far-reaching consequences far-reaching consequences. And it's so imperative that we learn to let go. And so uh, I'm sure you've been there. I'm sure you've been betrayed. I'm sure you've been embarrassed. I'm sure you've been wronged, either intentionally or unintentionally. I am sure you've been there. And it didn't just affect your relationship with that person, but it affected a lot of other relationships too. And so what does 2 Corinthians chapter 2 have to say about all this? We're going to talk about that. First, let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you you made the way. (laughs) You are the way. God, that your word is so full of wisdom. And we ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes today, that you would move us to be more like Jesus in this area of forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to start off. We're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Remember, Paul is referring to a church discipline issue. But what was happening is the people in the church, uh, it was almost like they just wanted, they didn't want to let it go, right? The person had already been disciplined, but Paul, you know, but they were still like punishing them. And so he says, If someone among you has brought sorrow, he has not made me as sad as he has all of you. I say this so I may not make it hard for you. Most of you have punished him. That's enough for such a person. Now you should forgive him and comfort him. If you do not, he will be so sad that he will want to give up. So, so important here, right? I mean, we don't want to keep punishing somebody until they just want to give up. You know, in other words, Paul is saying, it's not worth it to watch this person lose their faith. And so he says, uh, so, so I ask you to show him you do love him. 
This is why I wrote to you. I wanted to test you to see if you were willing to obey, to obey in all things. If you forgive a man, I forgive him also. If I have forgive, uh, forgiven anything, I have done it because of you. Christ sees me as I forgive. And this is so important. Right here, remember this. We forgive so that Satan will not win. We forgive so that Satan will not win. We know how he works. We know how he works. Wow. It's so important to remember that. When, when, you, when you are tempted to hold on to unforgiveness, when you feel those, 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 that resentment coming back, when you are tempted to hold, understand the devil is at work. That is how he works, Paul says, right? We know how he works, and we don't want him to win. And so Paul, what he's doing here is he's kind of, he's painting a healthy picture of discipline and forgiveness. Discipline must happen within the church. A church without discipline is, it's, it eventually what happens is it just implodes, right? It divides, it falls apart, it's bad for the kingdom of God. And so discipline has to happen, but Paul's going, look, you've already disciplined him, okay? Now forgive him, now forgive him. Now, Paul, I don't know the details of this. I don't know if this guy was kicked out of the church or whatever. And, and, and if he was, I don't believe Paul was saying, invite him back into the church. He was just saying, just let him know that you love him. Just let him know that you love him. Comfort him, okay? So if you remember one thing, I just want you to remember this this morning. And that's that forgiveness loosens the chains that hold us back. Forgiveness loosens the chains that hold us back, okay? When we hold on forgiveness, it's like wearing shackles on our feet. Have you ever known somebody that's sort of stuck in unforgiveness? It's like a, it's, it's a moment in their life when they were wronged, when they were betrayed, when they were embarrassed, whatever it was, and they're just stuck there. Stuck there, unable to move on. Unable to move on. And so when we hold on to unforgiveness, it's like wearing shackles on our feet. When we hold unforgiveness, it's like wearing dark glasses that hinder our ability to see from a higher perspective. It's so important to understand that, man. Holding on to unforgiveness, it narrows your vision. You cannot see from a higher perspective. All of a sudden, you're seeing as if you're sort of, you know, on the floor rather than from way up here. It hinders your vision. It hinders you. Why? Because you keep looking back at that. Why is it that your windshield is this big and your rearview mirror is this big? Okay? It's so important that we don't spend all that time looking back, looking back. You can't go forward. You can't go forward. And when we hold unforgiveness, we do harm to ourselves. We do harm to ourselves. And it can cause physical harm to ourselves, right? Have you ever noticed how bitter people tend to be sick people a lot? You know? And so it, it, it does harm to ourselves. It does harm to our spirit. It does harm to our ability to focus, our ability to move forward. And you all know one of our values here is to keep moving forward, right? <laughs> and so when we forgive, when we truly let go, what happens is it opens the door and allows us to be a living example of the kind of love that Jesus offers to everyone. You want to be a reflection of Jesus? Be a good forgiver, right? You want to, you want to display the love of Christ to others? You want others to see Jesus in you? Be a good forgiver. I'm not saying that's easy. I know it's easy for me to preach that. It's a total other thing to live that out. 
But, you know, forgiveness is a lot like a muscle as well. You know, when you exercise it, when you forgive the little things, it's easier to forgive. You know, forgiveness is a lot like a muscle. And so we need to kind of develop our forgiveness muscles. And so when we forgive, it, it allows other people to see Jesus in us. Because, what, I mean, Christ's whole mission was around reconcile, reconcil reconciliation, right? And so uh, we need to understand that. So what are some important things to keep in mind? If we're going to do this, if we're going to walk in forgiveness like this, the first thing is this, just, gosh, remember this, and that's see the big picture. See the big picture. There is a bigger picture than your feelings, than my feelings. You, you know, we have become a culture that's so feeling-centric that we, we are creating generations of just, dare I say it, just sissy, pansy, touchy, feely, what the heck? When did how I feel become the highest priority and value in my life? OMG! Seriously! Grow a pair, move forward, understand there are more important things in your life than how you freaking feel right now. So, anyway, that was free. Um, you people online, that cost you a dollar. But, <laughs> so, uh, unforgiveness hinders our vision. It hinders our vision. Listen, God is up to way more than just the incident. God is up to way more than just kind of how you're feeling right now. I understand feelings are important, but they are not the highest value of all things, okay? God is up to so much more than just that incident. God is doing so much more than just, you know, what happened. And not only does forgiveness loosen chains from us, but it helps to free our offender too. A lot of times, what happens, we get offended by people we love, right? People we don't really care about, what they do sort of rolls off our back. But when we really love somebody and we're offended, it's like a double ouch. It hurts, okay? I, I'll be honest, no one, no one in the world will ever be able to hurt me as much as Wendy. Why? Because I don't love anybody in the world except for, as much as I love Wendy. I love Jesus more than Wendy. That's it. Right? Sorry, Mom. I love Wendy more, right? And so uh, those that we love can hurt us so much more deeply than someone else. And so the thing is, is like, if we truly love that other person, if we really do love them, we want them to be free. We want them to be set free. Why would we want to, to keep them in the chains or in the bondage of our offense, of our unforgiveness? And so uh, when we forgive, it loosens the chain on us and on our offender. I remember um, there was a, a bully back in middle school. I know probably none of you were bullied back in middle school. Steve probably was the bully. Because, uh, you know... I'm just kidding. Steve's such a nice guy. But you know what? I remember there was a bully. I had a bully in middle school. And uh, 
I remember one day I made the mistake of cutting through his yard to get home. Um, and yeah, <laughs> everybody's like, you're stupid. You know, yeah, I was. And, uh, and, I, and he ran up to me, he punched me in the face. And I was like, what the heck? And um, I went home and I was like, oh, I was so upset. And um, I called him and I said, hey, you want to come over? And he came and I forgave him. And I said, I just want you to know, you know, first of all, I'm sorry for cutting through your yard. And I just want to, I, I forgive you for punching me in the face. And, and I forgave this, this bully. And within like a half an hour, we're just sitting down looking at comic books together. And, um, but like, he ended up becoming a friend. And not only did he end up becoming a friend, um, <laughs> Dan Smolt just texted me saying, OMG, grow a pair. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, not only did he end up becoming a friend, but you know what, he ended up coming to church with me. And he ended up being in, you know, I don't know where he's at in his faith today, but he was, at, he was introduced to Jesus. And uh, I know he started reading his Bible. But if I would have, you know, made it an issue where it was just, con where it was like, I'm not forgiving him, he's a jerk, and I told all my friends what a jerk he was and all that stuff, you know, I don't know if he ever would have been exposed to the gospel. You know, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, you know, when we forgive people, it takes the shackles off of them. And uh, so you have to zoom out. Zoom out and see what God can do with your act of forgiveness. Think about that for a second. When you're holding unforgiveness, when you're holding bitterness, zoom out for a second and go, what could God do if I forgave that person? What kind of example would that be to my children? Even if nothing ever happened to that person, even if they, that person never changed and they were still a jerk, well, what kind of example would that be to my children? What kind of freedom might I experience? How could God you zoom out? How could God use my forgiveness? See the big picture when you are holding on to resentment and unforgiveness. And so in Paul's case, he was seeing that, that, that the church's unforgiveness towards this person was crushing that guy. And Paul could zoom out and go, if they showed him some love, he might grow a little courage. He might change. He might, you know, but he won't give up. And so uh, the next thing is be willing to go the extra mile. Okay? So many of us think that forgiveness is this sort of mental ascent. You've flipped a switch in your mind. I've forgiven them. Right? But Paul's like, go the extra mile. Paul actually says to comfort this person and show them some love. Comfort this person and show them some love. All right? You know, how many people do we forgive? And number one, they never even knew they offended you. Or they don't even know that you forgave them. Right? Paul says, show them a little love. Go the extra mile. Otherwise... He might just give up, Paul says. Otherwise, he might just give up. And so, you know, that person's eternity is far more important than uh, them learning their lesson. Right? Some people need to learn their lesson, but in Paul's case here, I think Paul is saying, look, he's already learned his lesson. You know, there's nothing more for him to learn here. Show him a little comfort. Show him a little love. And so, uh, you know... 
otherwise you might give up. Forgiving is great, but going the extra mile is powerful. So powerful. And then Paul says this. He says, Christ sees this. Christ sees this. In other words, when we go that extra mile as forgivers, as being good forgivers, it draws God's attention. Christ sees this. It draws God's attention. God takes notice when we go the extra mile with our forgiveness. Okay? Go the extra mile with your forgiveness. And the last thing is this. Refuse to let the devil win. Refuse to let the devil win. Unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness. Listen, these are the materials that the devil builds his kingdom with. Let me read that again, because I really want that to sink in. Unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness. These are the materials that the devil builds his kingdom with. That's so important to understand. When we hold unforgiveness like that, the devil wins. That's, that's, another, that's another brick in the devil's kingdom. Do we want that? Do we want that? I don't think so. I don't think so. We don't want him to win, right? When we refuse to forgive, the enemy wins. And you know what? We're sons and daughters of the king. We don't let the devils win, right? We're sons and daughters. I mean, come on, man. We're in the middle of a spiritual war here. A spiritual warfare. Forgiveness is a powerful weapon. And it, and it keeps the devil from getting a foothold. And so if, we're, it's, if, we're, you know, if we are in God's kingdom, right? If we're his, we're his soldiers, we're his su subjects, whatever. I don't care what you, label you want to put on it. But if we are his, you know, we don't let the devil win. That's not what we do here. That's not what we do at Mercy Vineyard. And that's not what we do as believers. That's not what we do as sons and daughters of the king. Let the enemy win. Okay? And so we need to be bigger than that. Do you guys remember that expression? Y'all need to be better than that. That's an expression I don't even really hear that much anymore. Y'all need to be better than that. Y'all need to, you know, you rise above that, be above that, you, you know? I, and so, like, we don't even hear that kind of terminology anymore because I think some people take offense to it. But again, Dan, if you're listening, you just got to grow up here and rise above that. You're better than that. You're better than that. You're better than that. Tell the person next to you, you're better than that. You are better than that. All right? You're better than that. And so we're sons and daughters. We don't let the enemy win. And so what I want to do this morning is I, I just want to show you this video. I thought it was really cool. Uh, but it's a really, really powerful example of how forgiveness can, can bring about change, how forgiveness can bring about blessings. So why don't we go ahead and play that? I work as a firefighter. Did you catch that? We tend to focus on our little 3x5 card. Is our 3x5 card okay? You know, our little picture of the world, our world, okay. And God is painting on a canvas that's as broad as the universe. And so, uh, gosh, that's so powerful. I mean, he could have held a lot of resentment. If anybody had reason to hold on forgiveness, it was him. And instead, he had faith and and that God could do more with his forgiveness than with his resentment, right? And so uh, I just want to close this morning by praying. I want to ask that question, am I forgiving like Jesus, right? Am I uh, exercising faith in my forgiveness? And so uh, let me, am I forgiving like Jesus? 
And so I just want to pray for you. Uh, yeah, if you want to come, Wendy and worship team. And um, did you have anything to add? All right. So let me pray for you. Um, Holy Spirit, come. Come into this moment. Come. Holy Spirit, bring healing. God, I pray that you would forgive us for our unforgiveness. Forgive us for our resentment. God, forgive us for disguising our unforgiveness as other things. But sometimes we we disguise our forgiveness as righteous indignation. Sometimes we disguise our unforgiveness as some form of justified anger. to forgive as you forgave us. God, we, we freely receive your forgiveness and we freely extend it to others. God, open our eyes to see the big picture. Open our eyes to see beyond our three-by-five card. Open our eyes to see beyond our emotions surrounding these things. Open our eyes to see what you can do with our forgiveness. Open our eyes, God. Open our eyes. Give us your perspective, Lord. God, we release people that we've held in unforgiveness. We release them, God. Help us to extend love to them, to comfort them, to go beyond just a mental switch. God, that we would be people that are generous with our forgiveness. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.